Welcome to From the Ground Up with Mark Weller. We've really been loving the feedback we've been getting from this podcast, Mark. It's been pretty awesome so far. Yeah, no doubt. I've gotten all kinds of calls and people have stopped me, you know, in meetings and other things said they listen to certain episodes of interest to them and so on. And uh, it's definitely been fun and, and it's made it worthwhile. Yeah, this is awesome. We're excited to be here today with Ryan Keel. Uh, I'm with my co-host, Mark Weller, obviously. I'm Matt Rienzo, and we've got another exciting episode for you. Our guest today has had a really interesting career in professional sports as a player for more than 10 years in the NFL, uh, including with my favorite team, the Washington Redskins, now uh, Commanders. Uh, other pro sports on the business side he's been involved in in various ways, sports marketing, and lots of other business ventures as well. So uh, we're really excited to welcome Ryan Keel to the show. Mark, I know you and Ryan go way back. Uh, before we bring Ryan on, anything you want to just preface this episode with? Yeah, I mean, first off, I think one of the most interesting things about Ryan is just the the, the varied career and the just the wide array of experiences that he's had that range all the way from being uh, you know, a top football player in the country in high school all the way through being a professional football player and then working his way up through the corporate ranks at a very high level and signing some of the highest level and most prestigious athletes in the world and working with them on the marketing side and the branding side. And then to be on his own now doing what he's doing as an entrepreneur. So it's really a fascinating story. And I think also I want to point out before we bring him in, that at some point in high school, and for some reason Ryan doesn't remember it, I actually knocked him down on the field in the Wooten game, Wooten versus Whitman. <laughs> I hit him so hard, I rung his bell. I think he remembers it. He's he's looking at me. I don't know. I think you might have tripped him, but I might have. Tripped him. <laughs> I didn't see him coming. Selective memory. Nineteen eighty nine. So all I, I, that I, honorable mention, I, Mark Weller. I didn't see him coming. He's so short. He was under my line of sight. <laughs> Anyways, so with that, let's get started. Uh, Yeah, we're excited to have you on, Ryan. How are you doing? I'm doing great. You guys, thanks for having me. This is fun. Yeah, this is going to be a great time. So uh, I'll I'll kick it to Mark to to start it off. Yeah, well, I mean, I think, you know, like I said, I've gotten to know Ryan. Uh, I I knew Ryan when we were younger. I had to really, honestly, I was fortunate enough to play against him and some other great players that went to the NFL in high school and so it was always it was always great and uh to play against guys at that level but then I watched his career but watching him uh you know and really getting to know him when he was working at Under Armour and working with the the marketing uh heading up marketing there building golf there I realized just how skilled he was and how thoughtful and strategic he was on all the things that he did and I got to spend time with him and I learned a lot uh, being around him and then we've been able to work together since and so I've always admired uh his experiences there and and I think they've translated really well into uh, into the business world. Um, and the other thing that I think is fascinating about some of our guests that we've had on here is that many of them have been at the highest levels of their lives at one point in athletics and sports. And I think that this is another example of why team sports, why sports in general, and what comes with uh, being part of a team, what comes with being great, a uh, great leader or member of a team and making it to the highest levels, how that translates over, especially for young folks as they remember, how that translates over into the rest of your life. It's the same principles that take you um, you know, throughout life to be successful at whatever you do, whether it's being a, a entrepreneur or a teacher or a police officer, anything you do, just just really applying yourself and working hard. Yeah. So, Ryan, talk about you know your early sports career. You know, playing at UVA, playing in the NFL, what you learned from playing, and, and you know how that led you to where you are today. Yeah. Um, you know, sports to me has always been a big part of my life, and uh, it's part of my wife. My wife and I met. She was a lacrosse player at UVA. My kids play sports. Uh, play multiple sports. I grew up playing multiple sports. Um, I think what playing on a team and, and learning the responsibility and accountability 
um, to your teammates, to your coaches, to the response, you know, just trying to win, uh, trying to play the right way, sportsmanship. Um, it's just, there's nothing like it. There's no, there's no other Petri dish for a kid um, to get into beyond sports, in my opinion, at that age to learn those lessons. Um, from my career perspective, yeah, I was a multi-sport athlete growing up in Montgomery County, uh, went to Whitman, as Mark said, um, had some success there, went on to UVA, um, zeroed in. I didn't really play football till my freshman year in high school. What other sports did you play in high school? Uh, high school, uh, basketball, baseball. Uh, I think I had 10 letters or something, you know, across a number of sports. I think that's super important. That's changed a lot, uh, in this day and age with the privatization of club sports and youth sports. Uh, back when we were growing up, it was, you know, Montgomery County rec basketball. Yep. And now there's no such thing, right? It's all pay-for-play, club, uh, year-round type stuff, or minimum nine-month seasons, you know, or, or nine-month commitments, um, which is a whole other issue and uh, challenge, I think, that parents are facing with their kids these days. Um, but I was fortunate to play a lot of sports um, growing up and have some success. Didn't play football till my freshman year in high school mainly because I was too big. I couldn't make the weight. <laughs> I was younger, so I played soccer, which was sort of completely, right? Does that make any sense? Ryan, like, oh, hey, you're oh, too big for football. Go play soccer, right? Hey, right. So t- tell us, like, and I remember you were the biggest biggest guy in the field, and you could move. I remember that in high school. Uh, how big were you in eighth or ninth grade? You were pretty, you were pretty in big. In ninth grade, I remember because I had to weigh in and get my height taken for the first time ever because I didn't, you know, before, well, they just told me I was too big for football. I never got my weight. That taken. was it. Yeah. Yeah, they never like I never got on the scale, but I was six two, two oh five as a freshman. Yeah, um, and I played tailback. Yeah, um, there was no tackling you. No, no, yeah. not really. And I sort of, you know, I ran angry. I guess you could say. Yeah, uh, and angry then angry they didn't let you play. Yeah, exactly. You do a lot of things angry. I, I do. I do. <laughs> I do. Um, I try to control it, Matt, when I can. Um, and so I, you know, I slowly in high school, it's funny, like I started as that and then I never lifted a weight really till I went to college. So my senior wow. year, I was six, four, two thirty, and ran like a four, seven and change at Whitman. At Whitman. Yeah, I remember because the goal was, I remember uh, McKinnon, he'll love the shout out McKinnon and I, we were like, just grab his legs, yeah. just slow him down. And then everybody pile yeah. on him. It was yeah. kind of like one of those videos of like a, a, a wild Buffalo getting attacked yeah. by, by like, you know, smaller animals. I've had a few. A pack of hyenas. Yeah. Since since I retired from New York and I've been down here now for 15 years or whatever, it's like I do run into people now. Like, I remember you. And I'm like, I'm sorry. Like, did I say (laughs) something? If I did, I didn't mean it. You know, like I was just playing tough guy, right? Um, But then, yeah. So then I started lifting weights. I go to UVA. And all of a sudden, as you lift, and I got slower and I got bigger. And so my. But you did multiple sports, right? This is a big deal. You did did every sport, as I remember. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did basketball, baseball. Uh, football. I played varsity baseball as a freshman. Baseball is my best sport till my junior year. Um, I got scouted by major league baseball teams. I got scholarship offers in basketball and football wasn't my best sport till probably my junior year in high school. Got it. And that's the beauty of football in certain ways. Cause you know, a lot of these sports are skill driven. Uh, football's more will driven. You know, essentially I tell people you gotta be willing to run into someone full speed. Yeah. You know, yeah, and that's, that's right. at the end of the day, kind yeah. of counterintuitive. Yes. So if you're yeah. not willing to do that, don't play football. Yeah. Right. Um, but skill, you know, lacrosse now, hockey, uh, softball, baseball, those are all sort of in basketball. And they take driven. several years. It takes years to build up to years that. to build up their skill sets and things. Yeah, so right. I, I don't, you know, football's a, a sport, a unique and that you can come to it late. Yeah. Um, because sometimes mentally you just don't get to that will part till you mature, yeah. you know, or you grow or whatever. And you still believe that. Hundred percent. Yeah. So you could you could be a great athlete and become a great football player when you're when you're a junior in high school. Hundred percent. And you hear about it all the time, right? That's why, like, you'll see in the NFL, guys will pop up from some small school, 
you know, and they got under recruited because maybe they didn't play football to their junior, senior in high school, and then they go to you know, yeah, you know, and then you know, and play you know a couple of years at a small school, and all of a sudden they're you know getting yeah. drafted, yeah, you know, and they're going, wow, he played. You know, hear it like they'll say, oh, yeah, track guys do it too, you know. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I go to Virginia, and um, all of a sudden I start to lift, and I got a little bigger, and I got a little bit, kept getting bigger, and as I got bigger, I got slower, and as I got slower, I, all of a sudden my hand was in the ground, then I suddenly I started moving closer to the ball, right? So I ended up as a defensive tackle. Uh, at Virginia, uh, we were really good. Had a lot of great players. We were really rolling back then. This is like 1990 to 94. A yep. um, lot of NFL players. Um, I played with there. Had a very good team. How much, weight, how much weight did you put on in college? I got to about 280, 275. Yeah. And who was the coach at Virginia? George Welsh. Okay. Yeah. And then um, uh, I got you know got through that. It was all conference my senior year. Went to the business school because I never really thought NFL was an option. And so I went to the business school and just figured I'll play my time and that's good. Um, got, uh, didn't get drafted. So I was like, I was so low on the totem pole going to the NFL that I didn't even get invited to the combine. Like I was like, like I was like, throw him a bone. We'll bring him to mini camp yeah. type. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't know it at the time. Yeah. I learned later. Yeah. Or I, I, it came to me later. No one told me. I'm you were like, the underdog. Yeah. I mean, yeah. three years later, all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I was that guy. You yeah. Know? Right. Um, and so I went to the Niners. They just won the Super Bowl. And the reason I went there is they only had four draft picks, and they had an extra preseason game because we went to Japan. So I'm like, okay, like if I'm going to make a team, like this is the way to go. They have yeah. a lot, not a lot of young guys, and I got an extra game to play and get more tape out there. I ended up having an amazing training camp. Were like, you, you were lining up a tackle? Yeah, D-tackle, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, tackle and nose, so yeah. sort of on the center and on the guard. And then um, – had a great camp, ended up making the practice squad there, which was a big deal as an undrafted guy. I uh, stayed there all year. They loved it. I was great. Like, they paid me. They paid me to stay out there. Like, the whole thing, I was, like, happier than a pig, and, you know, that whole thing. Yeah. And so I don't think I can swear here, can I? You can say whatever you want. I'm like, happier than a pig and shit. So, hey, now. Um, <laughs> so, um, and then uh, as free uh, contracts are weird in the NFL and practice squad, you actually become a free agent um, because they have to resign you. And so I was technically a free agent. I had such a good camp that Washington actually signed me, like came after me, which was like, as a guy who was undrafted, this is like, oh my gosh, you know, they actually yeah. want me to come, you know, especially and so, being from the DC area. Too. Right. So I could move back and I could try to the Redskins and the Redskins weren't very good. And Norv was sort of new in his tenure, North Turner and the Niners were stacked and they were still competing. So it was going to be really hard to break through, but they liked me. And so I came to Washington and that's where I played, started playing defense, a uh, defensive line for them. My second year, and I, I started starting ten or twelve games. Um, started Thanksgiving Day against you know the Cowboys, like some cool things. And I, I'll, I'll add for those who grew up around here watching the Redskins, and I know you guys, I think would track this. The coolest thing I did, well, many of them, but in Washington, there's two things I remember very clearly. One, when I in '96 we were still playing RFK, and all I wanted to do was walk out of the dugout steps. Because I'd seen that forever growing up. Like, yeah. when you see Riggins, uh, it was Riggins or Thiesman or Monty Coleman, like, when they came out of the dugout, yes. like, I thought, I'm like, I just want to do that. Yeah, like, that's so cool. Because I'd grown up watching it, right, in the 80s. Yeah. Like, this you was, like, just this, caught that because they moved right after that. Well, then, not, yeah. then, so I did that. I got to do it. I actually yeah. played in the last game at RFK, which is really cool. That's incredible. But I wanted to, like, I wanted to come up the f- effing 
dugout steps. Yes. Like, because I'd seen yes. it for the 80s yes. forever, awesome. you know, and I wanted to see the stand shake from the field, but I wanted to come out. Like, I wanted someone to get a picture of me coming out of the dugout. Did they get the picture? Yeah, my dad got it. Not okay. to sidetrack your second thought, but you and I talked about this at length before both of our fathers have unfortunately since passed away. But your father was a big part of your life, obviously. He was a yeah. huge part. And I knew your dad. He was an incredible guy. But how you just brought up the picture and it made me think about it. I kind of got chills thinking about it. But uh, how awesome was it to have your dad watch you play football in the league? I said, "Oh, it was awesome." Yeah, because I was saying, like, I look, I look forward to watching my kids play sports in the weekend. I can't imagine getting an extra fifteen years in oh the NFL yeah. or something watching your son play every week. Coolest yeah. thing ever. Yeah, yeah, it was cool. I, you know, it's funny. It's, I think he actually like the you know early is cool, and then you play long enough, all of a sudden, like they'd come like at the end of my career, my tenth, eleventh, twelfth year, they'd be like. Yeah, we'll come to a game this year. I'm like, you know, I tell them. I'm like, you know, this is this doesn't happen to everybody. You know, just so we're clear. They're like, well, I don't know. It gets cold in New York, and then we're busy know. that weekend. Yeah. Like, I remember one year in New York, we like we had a home playoff game. I'm like, you coming? He's like, nah. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, I watch it on TV. Yeah. yeah. He's like, well, I got I got to get up there, Ryan. Like, I'm like, yeah, but I'll, okay. You know, like this is like a tenth, eleventh year. I'm like, I'm not going on forever. You know. But, um, but anyway, my second thought with Washington, the other cool thing um, was at FedEx, there's a guy named Phil Hawkberg who was the announcer, the in-stadium announcer there. I actually, when my family first moved to this area, we lived in Rockville, and he was our neighbor. And so we knew the family. And so he got, I got announced. Like, they announced the defense. I was starting that day. And it was against Philadelphia. And he got to announce my name. And that was cool. Like, you know, I, I, awesome. yeah, like that yeah. was a fun thing, just knowing that he knew me since I was, you know. Since you were a boy. Yeah, I was yeah. born here. Like, yeah. That's incredible. So those two things in Washington really stick out. Um, but I played defense, and then I went to Cleveland. Um, I got hurt my, my third year in Washington, sat out the year, uh, got, you know, healthy, and then I went to Cleveland expansion. And that's when the Niner thing comes back in because Carmen Policy and Dwight Clark came, were hired by Al Lerner, who was the MB&A guy who owned the, the new Browns. And so I, they called me and like, you got to come out here. So like I went out there, I sort of had an inside track. Um, I was playing defense and that's when I started to snap. Cause I, I quickly realized guys that like, like you guys see me, like I don't look the part, right? Like these guys, they bring, they draft these guys who are just like monsters. Like they come out and they just, you well, know. to be clear, I mean, you're huge, but those guys are enormously huge. Yeah. And they're far more athletic, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? They look the part much more than I like long arms. And like, I'm like, Oh my God. And I'd have to compete with them every year to keep my job. And like, you know, and I'd fall down the depth chart without pads on and we put pads on in the summer and all of a sudden I'd start crawling my way back up and then I'd be like, Oh yeah, we need them. Yeah. You know, so I started your job, but just to be clear, okay. Your job was, and you, you and I have talked about this before, because trying to apply this to the kids and make sure yeah. they understand how to how to work yeah. through these situations. You were at risk every, every year. year. You never felt secure. 100%. For your entire NFL career. Probably every um, day, it, almost. Well, every day. It's every day. And my last, yeah, once I went to New York, I, I felt secure. Once you started long snapping, yeah. you started. But I, yeah. just, I, I think the, the lesson is, is that awareness, like have awareness of your surroundings. Like they were drafting guys every year defensive lineman what does that say about the guys that are there they yeah. don't like everybody yeah, that's right. that's <laughs> like right. don't be don't don't get cocky yeah. like look at your surroundings and it's like shit yeah like those guys are really good and they're drafting third and fourth and fifth rounders or second rounders or first rounders because they don't like everybody who was there last year and i'm one of those guys right yeah, yeah. so have an awareness to be like you know what i looked over and i saw the long snapper i'm like they don't mess with that guy yeah I'm a minimum salary guy. Like I'm never going to make millions upon millions in salary, 
why don't I teach myself how to do that? And I don't have to deal with any of this stuff anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, but that, that's an awareness thing. That's like being honest with yourself. Like you yes. hear these parents and realistic, kids, yeah. realistic, be honest, like of your ability. Like I wasn't ever going to be a 10 year starter defensive line and make millions of dollars. That wasn't in the cards for me. Yeah. So I can go on and fight my butt off every year to make the team, or I can teach myself something new and now I can play defense and I can snap. It, now I'm it, saving them a yeah. roster spot. I become more valuable, like exponentially more valuable. Isn't it great to watch the kids figure some of that stuff out? And I watched my, one of my own sons. Uh, he was playing long stick midi with his buddy who was six foot six, Matt Christmas. And then he switched over to doing faceoffs where height didn't really matter. Right. And he's five nine. Right. And he's one of the best guys in the country at doing it because of it. But that was an exact scenario of like, well, I don't think I really belong over there yes. with that group. Yeah. And it's good because you have to make those wholesale changes in life, right? Yes. And uh, th those are good lessons. Those are good lessons for the kids to learn, and they're good lessons for adults to learn during your career, too. Right? 100%. Like, yeah. you've got to be adaptable. You've got to be aware. You've got to be honest with yourself and how you're doing and the skills you have and what you're good at and what you're not good at. Yeah. And, and no one's perfect. Yeah. No one's got all A's. Yeah. So, like, it's okay. And so learn to lean on your strengths and try to make your weaknesses better if you can. I mean, you're never going to play in the NBA, Mark. You're, you know, you're not tall enough. So that doesn't matter how – Yeah. How good you get at basketball, not going to happen, <laughs> yes. right? The likelihood is extremely the likelihood is very low, right? So you can't fix height, but you can fix other th the things that you can adjust and improve, work to improve those. That's right. Right? So oh, this, that's that's great advice. It's very thoughtful for everybody. Yeah. So I, I've always uh, really appreciated that part of your story and how you adapted. And then take it one step further to your NFL career ends and some of the things you were doing with the NFLPA or with, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then also going to business school. And cause I, I think you had the right thinking and strategy as far as switching to long snapping and then, but you took it one step further into really developing yourself mentally and professionally above and beyond football. So tell people a little bit about that. Yeah. So, you know, again, in, when you're fighting for your job, you sort of figure you're going to get cut at some point. So what I did was to offset that, I went and got my MBA. I got applied to grad school. And to me, that was this idea of, like, everyone said, oh, you played in the NFL. This is going to be great when your second career. I'm like, yeah, but what if I had – I played in the NFL and I had my MBA? Like, that would be even cooler, right? And so I did that. Um, so that was one way to sort of round myself out. The other what thing, years did you do that? Oh, God. It took me a while because I could only do it in the off seasons. Mm -hmm. So it took me, like, seven years. So, like, from, like, years four through yeah, 11 like three or something? Yeah, like, three to ten yeah. or three to eight or something like that, you know. Um, Were you doing internships during this period of time, no, too? You no. never did any kind of – Oh, actually, I did. I did. I did do some internships to the PA. Um, and I actually did that. But I did that before my grad school. So I did a couple internships in the off season, And then I'm like, okay, i got to get my MBA. Like that could be cool if I could That's cut. That's just August. incredible and got to be so rare in the NFL for somebody to have that foresight to well, do well, internships. Well, listen, while you're all these professional, professional yeah. athletes, though, I've seen it. I've we've met a lot of them over the years, and the ones that are wildly successful after sports are the ones that had a plan while they were playing sports. Usually, right? right. They knew that 100%. they were transitioning at some point, and they were yeah. they weren't maybe full time in it, but they were thinking about it. And they were well, what you happens it. is the, the the trouble you have is the guys just play video games now, and you're like, what are you doing? Like you've got six months in the off season. Like yes. do something. Yes. Go meet people. Like so, I did a lot of that in New York. When I got to New York, I'd just go into the into the city and meet and go. To, and I would always say, you know, you know, generally athletes want their ass kissed. And, but I would flip it. So when I went in to go to lunch with somebody, somebody at you know whatever a hedge fund or a, you know whatever it may be, entrepreneur, business owner, I would always buy lunch. Yeah. And they say, oh, I'll buy. I'm like, no, no, no. I'm using. I'm taking your time. I got all the time in the world. I just, I just lift. Yeah. 
right? I mean, your time's more valuable. I'll buy you lunch, right? So, like, just having some of those sort of things is like that's again awareness, awareness, right? And so, um, but anyway, also the other thing I did was I got involved with the PA as a player rep for seven years. I did I was part of two CBAs. So explain PA, a player association, and that's so right, yeah, you you're voted, yeah, yeah, you're voted by your teammates to represent represent the team, represent their guys in the locker room. Yeah, um, did two CBAs. Was, or I was a player up during the O two and O six extension. Yeah. Um, helped steer those, some of the benefits and things to second career stuff and things of that sort. And that was my introduction into the business of sports and the learning, like where the revenues come from, all of that stuff. So you're getting that education, real world experience. You're getting your MBA at the same time. That's yeah. awesome. Now, yeah. Are you doing this because you felt that obligation to do it because you were the best guy for it? Or are you doing this also to, to, cause you were curious about it? All, just the curious, above. all of it. Yeah. All of it. You felt like you were the most qualified. I was the, guy to involved. Yeah. I was the guy who could carry the message the most and I wanted to do it cause I wanted to learn. Yeah. Right. And that's really where you learn how the sausage is made in sports, like how it works with revenues and costs and ownership and labor and collective bargaining and digital rights and sponsorships and all the different, all, all things you were learning about before you exited the Correct. NFL. Got Correct. It. Uh, then I, so I finished in 08. Then I started Under Armour in 2009 and worked my way up to a bunch of marketing markets. You so said. you started Under Armour. It's kind of cool. So like, how do you start there? Like, why do you start there? How does that all come about? Is it hot in here? It's always hot. Why are you hot. nervous? I'm very nervous. <laughs> no, it's uh, it's not too hot. You're just a big guy. We've <laughs> it's all this, this hot. It's, it's all this hot air that's getting blown at me. I gotta you tell guys. you. I gotta, <laughs> tell I me. Tell you, me. The, I gotta tell you a great story. You, uh, I think it was 2015. Um, I hadn't seen Ryan in a while. We end up going to the Derby together. This was before that. I yeah, think. Uh, 13, yeah, probably 12 or 13. Mm -hmm. And uh, and anyways, we land. We get off the plane. We land in Kentucky, and I am now. I'm in a full suit. And it's got to be 95 degrees on the runway. And I am in a full sweat <laughs> lather. And I look over at Ryan, and he looks like I feel. So I look at him, I go, you're a sweater? He goes, yeah, you're a sweater, too. He's like, yeah, it's good to meet you, man. He's like, jeez, it's hot. We got to get some. So I, we just kind of followed each it's other true. around for shade and air conditioning it's for the next 48 hours till we got back home. Yeah, I think I provided you more shade than you did, <laughs> man, to be fair. <laughs> but yes, 100%. But it was great. Yeah, you you, uh, you and I broke into a full, full lather. Full lather. Yes. <laughs> Within four minutes of being on the ground We're in Kentucky. Like, get us inside. Yes, please. In Kentucky and on the podcast, too. Yeah. Uh, so continue on with uh, Under Armour and, yeah, and so how you, you ended up there and what yeah, you were Yeah, so doing. UA was interesting. So I met Kevin at a conference. I was speaking on labor. Now, you never played football against Kevin, did you? Maybe uh, no, I don't think so. Yeah, because back like, then we were counting. And they Kevin Plank, for those yeah. of you, the founder yeah, of yeah. Under Armour. And but, so I, yeah, you, I saw because I was, he was in private school, right, you were in public school, right, right, right. Yeah. right. So no. I met him at a conference. I was speaking on labor, and um, this was after the 06 extension, and he was like a speaker there. And so I got introduced to him at one of those like little shitty wine and cheese cheese tray receptions after like the speakings. Yeah, the speakers were done. And he's like, "Hey, you should come up and you know see what we're doing." I said, like, "Cool, I'm going up to." Um, New York to work out, but I'll come back. And we built a relationship from that. And I actually started wearing their cleats. So I was the first guy in the NFL to wear their cleats. And then he said, well, I want to sign you. And I said, why do you want to sign me? Like, I'm clearly not going to move. At this point, I'm just a snapper. Like, you know, I'm old, I'm <laughs> overweight, I'm non-athletic, and I'm uninspiring to say the least. And he said, and he, this was a, uh, to his credit, he said, because when I ask you if the product's good, you'll tell me the truth. Because I think at that point, a lot of people started kissing his butt. And I'm like, well, I'm going to do that. You know, and so we built a relationship from that. So that then when I retired in uh, 08 after the Super Bowl with the Giants, um, 
I was hurt for that, unfortunately. Your honesty is blistering. I love it. <laughs> you make me feel right at home. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's, it's true. So I got hurt um, in 08, and I didn't get to play in the Super Bowl. Yeah. I tore my calf and my Achilles, uh, which sucked. But I was still got a ring. I was still on the team, and sort of, sort of like I look at it as like a retirement, really nice watch, except it's a ring, and it's worth more than a watch. Um, <laughs> so... Um, so that was cool. And then I started at UA like January of 09. I was there for 10 years. And what uh, was your first job there? I ran North American Sports Marketing. So signing, doing what we'd call now like top of the funnel awareness uh, so signing. You, you went in at a pretty high level then. Yeah. You actually entered into corporate America. Yeah. And you think that was because of a combination of things, your experience in the workplace, your Correct. business degree, yeah. all that pain. All that authenticity, yep. right? I was super authentic in the space. I could talk to any athlete. Um and sort of play out like the ex athlete card, you know, and yep. like, what are they going to tell me, you know, like that I haven't seen or been through different sports, maybe, but the challenges are all the same. Yeah. Um, and so I started doing that signing NFL players and basketball players and Olympians and golfers and whatever else, um, anything we were doing. And you're, you're, you're just blazing through that, but you've signed, you've signed some really amazing athletes, right? Yeah. You and your team were responsible for some of the biggest names in sports. Yeah. Talk, talk through some yeah, of those. So, and- yeah. Cause you know, yes. Um, yeah, basically every athlete or maybe 95% of them that came through, came through my, either myself individually or my team, a couple that didn't. Um, but it was everything from um, some were there when I got there, to be fair. But, yeah, maybe 90%. Um, yeah, it's everything from, like, you know, when I got heavy into golf, I ran that business there. That was, like, Jordan. And I was really proud. Like, so Cam Smith, who just won the British Open. Like, so I had Cam under contract. Oh, I, had, wow. I had Matt Fitzpatrick, I Matt Fitzpatrick it, yeah. under contract, just won the U.S. Open. Gary Woodland was on the staff. He won the U.S. Open two years ago. Obviously, Spieth was on the, under contract. Those were my four top guys. With, with Cam and Fitzy. And Jordan all being – Jordan's maybe a year older. But I signed Spieth, and then all of a sudden they're like, oh, you know how to sign young guys because Spieth took off. And then all of a sudden Cam and Fitzy came like two years later, and golf was really an important – at the time, an important category for Under Armour. So I got the juice. And, and Cam was the top Aussie. They're like, he's the best Aussie since Adam Scott. And so, you know, that's really, Matt, like signing athletes for me, like, they're, you know, I ran the golf business and started it there. And – um, they're like, how can like an ex NFL player like do so? It comes back to like again knowing your skill set, you know, like, and maybe that's the theme for me and in, in in my career is like, yeah, knowing what you're good at, don't what you're not, and don't be don't be afraid of the things you're not good at. Just surround yourself with people that can teach you. And so like in golf, like I would like when I signed Jordan, you know, I watched him at Congressional. I met with him. I met the family. All I was looking at when I was watching him was how he treated people. Like I didn't know about his swing if the swing was good or bad i knew he could putt that's easy to see but like i didn't know like does he hit it far or hit it short like i didn't i just wanted to see like he's 18 or 19 does he look at people when they clap for him does he flip the putter to his caddy or does he hand it to his caddy right does he when he misses a putt does he oh you know and he's gotten a little bit more into that he's, but like when he was younger he was much more carefree I wanted to see him walk the like he's again 18 how is he treated by the people he was playing with the pros that he was with like I looked at those kind of things as opposed Int- to intangible character. hundred percent. Yeah. Cause I, you know, in sports, um, money only makes you less motivated if you're an athlete. So if you cut a guy a check, a big check, which we were prepared to do cause he was the top kid in the country, in the world. Um, yeah, but they miss all the time. Of course. Right. Um, you have to like, is money going to like soften their resolve? 
And it, you see it in sports all the time. Mm-hmm. You see it in baseball. Yep. You see it in football. You see it in basketball. You see it in hockey. You see them all, right? Tennis, golf. Like you see it. Like they all of a sudden they make a check and they're going, I don't need to work quite as hard. Yeah. And so you can't, you have to avoid that. Like that's something you have to figure out as an evaluator. And I really spent a lot of time. When I was in New York, interesting, again, this is like in the idea of like sort of intellectual curiosity and sort of always trying to learn. There was an old scout named Joe Collins who I was with in San Francisco, Cleveland, and New York. He was a Southeast scout. And he was, he had been, you know, so he, he's, he was scouting SEC guys and Florida guys. Like in NFL, that's like top of the food chain. If you're the scout of the Southeast, like you're the top scout. And every year in New York, I would take, he liked Miller Genuine Draft in ice cold mugs. And there was one bar in Albany, New York that served <laughs> Miller Genuine Draft in ice cold mugs. Yeah. And I would take him there twice, twice a camp. And I would just feed him beers and pick his brain. Like, what are you looking at? What do you see? You know, all of those things. And he really taught me about how, like, a lot of people are fast, right? But can he play? Like, people get into this. You see it even in youth sports, right? They're like, oh, this kid's really fast. He's going to be great. I'm like, is he? Yeah. Right? You know, this whole, like, skill versus will thing. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. awesome. Like, he's fast. Can he catch a ball with his offhand? Isn't yep. there nothing better than watching an athlete with will? Yes. It's just want. I mean, yeah. there's nothing. People rally behind that athlete. 100%. There's just nothing more, more fun than yeah. watching a female or male athlete who just wants to win so badly that – Right, and it's so amazing. Tom Coughlin would always talk about the um, power of the will. That was the term he'd use. And you can will yourself to success. Yeah. You know, and when you do that, they are much better athletes or teammates uh, than um, someone who doesn't have that, hasn't had to overcome that. Yeah. Now, to your point, Mark, if they're great athletes and they have the will, then you've got guys like, you know, guys I play with like Jerry Rice and Strahan and Daryl Green and all those the top Hall of Fame guys. Yeah. They've got, how, the, they've got the ability and they've got the will. And, 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 and that's how you make it to a place like the Hall of Fame for sport 100%. or something. Yeah, yeah. You have to have both. You have to have both. Yeah. 100%. Uh, most of the time, the natural athletes that sort of just gotten by, depending on how good an athlete you are, your, your career is never as fulfilled as it could have been. Like yep. you never hit your ceiling. So, so self-awareness, we learned yeah. that, right? Yeah. Really important. And I think we all know, we all know about that. And uh, understand that. And, it, and it's important. And, uh, and drive. And you just got to have that drive, right? hundred percent. You know, and again, that gets back to like growing up playing sports, you know, having those experiences where that, that idea of drive is, is, um, really formulated and embedded, I think in people is this idea of like, you know, again, being a good teammate, being accountable, like, do you want to win? Do you want to compete? Do you want to improve? Yeah. Right. Like it's not always about, I mean, listen, I like to win, you know, anybody knows me knows that, but like, it's also about getting better. Yeah. Right. And, you know, can you reach your ceiling? Yeah. And whoever, whatever ceiling, everyone's different and everyone's ceiling is different. Yeah. And depending on what you're doing, whether it's business, whether it's sports, whether it's school, you know, like just get, try to like get to the top. Like it's fun. Like get whatever you, whatever that top is for you. Yeah. And sports allows, I think a lot of folks to explore that, which is great. Okay. We're going to pause it here for today on our conversation with Ryan Keel. We'll pick it back up at the second half of this awesome conversation. So be sure to tune in to the next pod to hear more. Be sure to follow us as well on social media, on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Weller Development. On behalf of Mark Weller and Ryan Keel, I'm Matt Rienzo. Keep building, people.